time for the Susan Taylor Podcast, where we discuss the yoga of mind, medicine, and healing. Author of Feeling Good Matters, Sexual Radiance, and the Vital Energy Program, Dr. Taylor imparts authentic knowledge and practical tools that inspire, educate, and empower us to be a healing force for positive change. So join us and take your life and our planet to the next level. Hello and welcome to episode 110, Pure Happiness, Why You Need to Train Your Mind. If you remember, I spoke last week about yoga science being a science that teaches you how to be. And most of us, if not all, really seek happiness and tranquility. You know, we all know that mind chatter and rumination of thoughts and feelings can lead us into a state of despondency, even irritation and anxiety, and most of all, unhappiness. You know, one of the key ingredients for being happy is to have a clear, calm, and tranquil state of mind. Not so easy. But in today's episode, I'd like to discuss why it's important to train our mind, what is mind and its functions, and how to navigate the mind. You know, we've been really uh, going forward with our commentaries and our community Q&A on YouTube, and I thank all of you for the input. Uh, many of you have seen the YouTube videos, and we're going to continue doing that because we really did get quite a positive response. So these topics, and especially today, what I'm talking about is really coming from our community and some of the interests that uh, many of you have in mind. So let's get started on this, and I'll talk about the mind today. And as I said, really, I'll end up with some practical, how does it really work so that you can start putting it into your own practices with your meditation. You know, any of us who have practiced trying to still our mind, we know that sounds like a great plan, but we all know, as I mentioned, it's really not that easy, especially when we're used to really being outwardly driven. And most of us are in this culture, or if not all. The reason being is that we really need to understand the mind before we start to harness and contain its energy, you know, from straying away, causing all sorts of havoc and discontentment. You know, there's one thing for sure that anyone that seeks to improve their quality of life, what any, we all know that the one thing that we really have to do in order to have that quality life is to really understand the workings of our mind, our desires, motivations, how we think, act. And of course, if the mind and body are one, as I've always talked about, we really have to maintain a healthy body. Today, I'm going to focus more on the mind, but please, let's not think that I'm not really acknowledging that the body also has to be healthy. So really to improve our quality of life, we have to understand those workings of our mind and that's what we're gonna talk about today. You know, the energy of our mind is the essence of our life and you've heard me say this over and over again in the Feeling Good Matters book and the resilience training classes. I mean, that's the core of all our work here. So when we focus and concentrate the energies of our mind, we can create the mental power to carry out our best intentions. You know, this however, Again, it's not easy. And I keep emphasizing that because I don't want people to feel like they've fall behind the eight ball or they're not adequate because it's really so hard to sit still and calm ourselves down. I just want you to know that it's 
that's really more the norm than to be quiet, tranquil, and one-pointed, okay? That's why I'm bringing it up this way. Because I've heard over and over again, including in my own life, trying to still our mind is difficult, and we know that. There's no one who would argue that and one single thought that we can have can have quite an impact on how we feel emotionally and physically. You know, if we're going to live a life of freedom and fulfillment, you know, that might sound a bit lofty, but let's face it, everyone wants to be free to feel, think, and express and have their purpose in life fulfilled. Remember, it's the mind that guides every action that we take in reaction or response if we're in control of ourselves. The mind also guides every idea and thought, desire, expectation that we have in life. It can motivate us to do something or discourage us from taking an action. We've all had, we've all experienced, I should say, this with our self-talk. You know, that voice that says, you know, you can do this. Or the voice that says, you know what, you really can't do it. You're not good enough. You know, those kinds of things. It works both ways. So investigating the workings of the mind, you know, is really essential. And believe me, it's not new because over centuries and centuries, people have really contemplated on the nature of mind, trying to know and understand it. And many conclusions are drawn, but you know, this just creates more thoughts. The conclusions actually create more thoughts. So that's why we've developed meditation. We're not really talking specifically about meditation today, but meditation is the skill to develop to really work with the mind itself. So what is this source of mind and what is mind? Well, in order to know the mind, we need to understand its source, you know, right? I mean, at a world conference, I remember it mentioned in yoga science, of course, there was one master teacher uh, that had said that the source of mind is the consciousness in the transsensorial dimension. So really he's talking about the mind, consciousness, and senses. And it's in this dimension there exists consciousness and energy that exists in perfect balance. He also go, went on to say, these two entities, consciousness and energy, can bring our mental understanding and our sensorial experience of the world. So, this interplay of consciousness and energy is really what brings us into our creation, our universe, and our individual life. So knowing this concept, then we can see the true value in understanding the mind as well as how to manage it. You know, as I've taught in many classes, workshops, retreats, we can simplify this into really understanding the functions of mind. Here we're talking about consciousness, which is the pure part of mind, and energy, which is the prana. You know, prana is that energy or chi or ki, whatever you want to use. It's that subtle energy that we're talking about. So to put it into perspective, we can view the mind as an offshoot or an expression of our consciousness that is guided by the channels of sensory expression. The subtle force that exists in the universe is consciousness, which is experienced in this life as the mind. And you may say, well, so what? 
Well, we spend so much of our time on our body. Just look at the diet industry and exercise industry. Everyone's proclaiming that the next best diet or exercise protocol will lead to health, longevity, better aging, et cetera, et cetera. You know, our recent, you know, only recently people are realizing that to overcome stress and anxiety, we need to have really more than just diet and exercise, although they're extremely important when done skillfully, systematically, as I say, with skill and knowledge behind it. And that feeling good has to start on the inside. We're realizing this now. You know, this awareness is present where people are actually realizing that they need something else, that stress and anxiety levels have an impact on our health and longevity. So that's where this new movement of meditation is happening now. We started it 15 years ago prior, but now people are starting to really understand that this is really needed. But what's happening with that, it's taking the same shape as everything else in our society in that soundbite technology. In other words, we're getting in incomplete knowledge about meditation also with incomplete practices. The point here is that I'm trying to say that we need to look at the whole picture and learn and understand the workings of the whole mind if we're going to have sustainable happiness. We're also going to need to understand the workings of the mind if we're going to really learn the complete aspect of meditation. So let's take a look at the four functions of mind and what they do. This is going to lay the foundation of why and what meditation really is about. We already know that we all come with a purpose in life and we need to find solutions to those experiences that come forward from our past are, you know, and are in our present and coming to look at the future. So this includes feelings that have come from unconscious, our unconscious mind into the conscious mind itself. So to understand how do we um, use this or how does this happen, we use a wheel as an analogy. And those of you that have been in our community for a long time know that our resilience training, I really spell this out completely using the wheel as an analogy. So we want to take actions in the world that bring about, you know, consequences that can resolve that which is resolvable. So in an analogous way, we turn to the wheel. That's why we're using it. The, but, but keep in mind that this wheel won't turn unless it has spokes, right? I mean, spokes are what create the wheel. We're looking at a bike here. For example, a bike with four spokes. Let's look at it that way. As the bicycle moves, the spokes and the wheel move. And the turning of that wheel is analogous to taking action in the world. So the four spokes of the wheel, we're using four here, as I mentioned, are the four functions of mind that I'm going to talk about. And the wheel itself is the body. You know, note here, the mind moves first, then the body can take an action. So I'm talking mind precedes action. If I ask you to sit down, close your eyes, and just bring yourself into paying attention to your breath, which I do all the time when I'm, you know, focusing on a meditation training or a relaxation session, keep in mind before you can sit or close your eyes and begin to pay attention to your breath, you first have to entertain the thought of sitting down. Remember, the mind moves first, then the body moves, and that's critically important to really understand. 
So these four functions of mind illustrated by the spokes are really what are going to give us the foundation for what we're doing with our mind because they help us evolve, progress, and grow in life. In fact, to experience life. That's what our mind does. So let's look at these four functions in specific ways. And then what I'll do is bring it into a practical, how it works on a day-to-day thinking and being, okay? The first is the ego. It's the first evolute of the mind and it's ego, right? It's the ahamkara. Aham means I. Kara means form. It's the I maker where we get our realization that I exist. It's where we obtain our awareness of me, the knowledge that I live, I exist, I am. This is my body. This is my mind. This is my life. Me, my, and mine. And I think the Beatles had a song, I, me, mine, I, me, mine, I, me, mine. It was a very interesting uh, song, but that's our ahamkara, I, me, mine. And it's our identity or what we call self-awareness. Remember, the ego is always dividing these things up between good and bad, pleasant and unpleasant. And when it's not polished, when we can't step back from that identification of what's good and bad, pleasant and unpleasant, this is mine, this is I, it's happening to me. What it does is it separates us from our essential nature. And that's where all our misery comes from and all our problems come from. It's ego. And that's a whole class in in and of itself. And I'll be coming out with that probably later in 2020, uh, where I'll be talking about this function of mind. And how can we polish that ego? You know, that's what we do when we detox our mind. Then we have the unconscious mind, which is the next function. And it's called chitta. The chitta is our unconscious mind. The unconscious mind is where we have a storage of our merits and demerits, everything we deem as essential for our self-preservation, our protection, our survival. And it's the center for our memories that are ingrained in our mind in the form of impressions, images, and experiences. And from this lifetime, as well as for those that believe in that, other lifetimes. So if you just believe that this is our only lifetime, our only existence, it's all our memory. For those that believe that we have a neurological connection to many lifetimes, it comes from many lifetimes, okay? That's our memory storage. Then we have our next function of mind, which is based on rationality and logic. And this function of mind can advise you and give you total reliability, which thoughts to think and words to speak and actions to take. In yoga science, we call this function of mind the buddhi. Through this function of our mind, our desires are born, our desires are made, and it connects us with the outside world, with sense objects and sense pleasures. This is the only function of mind that has the unique ability to discriminate objectively and decide appropriately what's to be addressed and what's not to be addressed. The booty alone has the power to discriminate, judge, and determine and decide. Keep that in mind. This is a very subtle and high function of our mind. And with without this function of mind, there would be no intelligence which would then not be able to recognize or interact. We wouldn't be able to recognize or interact with the outside world, sense objects, and the environment itself. So keep in mind that this aspect of mind gives us the ability to understand and recognize our environment. 
since it enables us to look at them, analyze and reflect on them, rationalize and make an appropriate decision. Learning to access this function gives us the ability to take our skillful actions into the world. And I'm emphasizing this because most of us or most of the world without any training in the mind actually uses the function that I'm going to talk about now, the thinking mind. And that's the fourth function and it's called manas. And it has a Sanskrit prefix man, which means to think. And in the grossest form, this is the grossest form of our mind and the part of the mind that we spend most of our time in and with some interaction with other levels, but we're really engrossed in the thinking mind. You know, so many people have said, get out of your head. That's what they're talking about without probably knowing that this is actually a function of our mind. You know, we're thinking beings and the manas acts as an importer and exporter of our sensory inputs. Therefore, we say that the manas employs the five senses. And it's the function of mind that engages the senses to look, smell, taste, hear, and touch, and bring information back into our awareness. So it's useful so that we can determine what kind of action that we're going to take or no action at all. You know, remember what I had said previously, the source of the mind is the consciousness in the transsensorial dimension. And it's in this dimension, there exists our consciousness, consciousness and energy. I said this before, that exists in perfect balance. Remember these two entities, consciousness and energy can bring our mental understanding and our sensorial experience in the world. So keep in mind, the mind employs the senses to have that experience in the outside world. And that's why in meditation, we also practice withdrawing the sensory mind, meaning we stimulate the senses with outside influence so that we can experience, we have to, you know, our inner dimensions, we have to withdraw that. That's why when people call me, they ask me, well, can I listen to music? Can I listen to uh, guidance? Yes, in the beginning, you can listen to the guidance of how to bring yourself inward, but not music. You don't want to be you don't want to be stimulating the senses. You want to become self-reliant and do your inward journey on your own and really training that function of mind to go inward. You want to quiet and still the thinking portion of mind. So how does this all fall into a practical application and how would it, what would it look like in day to day? Remember I spoke about the three spokes, you know, the sense of I am, arhamkara, and I spoke about uh, just now our thinking mind and our unconscious mind. And they all come into motion before we take action because those spokes have more, have to move before the wheel can move. You know, once our thoughts engage, the senses and the ego weigh in, what it thinks is essential to our pres our self-preservation. It says, this is good. Let's do that. If the memory, you know, if we have a good memory of pleasure or let's not do it, if we have an unpleasant memory. At the same time, our unconscious portion of mind, that's, that's what's weighing in on our memory. So at this point, the untrained mind allows the thinking mind, which I just ended with, with Manas, to make a decision and take an action. But keep in mind, here's where the problem lies. The thinking mind will ponder and say, well, you have a choice. Do I do choice one or choice two? 
should I choose one or two? Maybe two looks good or maybe one looks good. And it starts irritating our energy field and our energy begins to get depleted because thoughts and senses and ego and unconscious mind really have no power to discriminate and judge or decide what we keep on, what we need to do, because we keep on asking the question, should I do it? Shouldn't I do it over and over and over again? Now, some people at this point go to an outside source to advise them. And some people are trained to counsel from within. Great leaders do a lot of counseling from within, although they may have counsels that work with them, but the counseling from within is really strong. And that's where the booty or the rational and logic mind comes in when we learn to access that part of our mind. Because our thinking mind, I'm not really negating our thinking mind and our sense and our ego and our unconscious mind because they provide us with very, very good information about the world. And sometimes these senses are correct. The modest mind is correct, but, and sometimes the ego is correct but it all has limited perspective. Even our habit patterns of our unconscious store mind, unless we're able to move beyond our likes and dislikes and really recognize what the storehouse has stored for us, it's also limited. So the last function or the booty, the, the aspect of the mind, it wasn't the last that I spoke about, that uh, rational mind, I think it was the third function I spoke about, is really superior to addressing all the operations in the mind. And that's that spoke that I mentioned, that, rag, uh, that rationality and logic mind, the booty. This is the aspect of mind, I'll say again, that operates as a mirror that reflects perfect wisdom from the superconscious portion of our mind. And when we access and utilize this function, we get the clarity and tranquility of mind that we all need for happiness. We polish the ego, seal the senses, and gain access to this deeper function of mind. We will have pure happiness. And meditation trains us to do this. You know, over 2,000 years ago, the great sage Pantanjali codified this ancient science of yoga, you know, the union, to bring happiness, health, and reward, and fullness to our lives. But he also mentioned we have to have an understanding and coordination of the functions of our mind. And uh, Pandit Rajmani Tiganayath, he had really done Secrets of the Yoga Sutra and Practice of the Yoga Sutra, and he really did fantastic commentaries that really for those that want to dive deeper into this kind of knowledge can really get those commentaries. They're very, very uh, well-written and really digested for the current knowledge of society. So moving on, I'd like to just before we end and say, you know, what I love most about this is the knowledge is there for our taking and that any person interested in a full life can engage in learning and really learning to meditate. You know, we would be better human beings by better understanding how our thoughts and actions can be brought under our control. And an exploration is really certainly worth investigating to begin to heal, nourish, and transform our entire being. And as I always say, do your research. You know, if you know someone that may need to know about this topic, you know, of self-empowerment or interested in yoga, interested in really working with having a more peaceful, harmonious life, 
utilizing the yoga science principles, please share the knowledge. And this is how we could serve you humanity. This is how you could serve humanity by serving and sending a link to someone that you think would benefit from this podcast. And keep in mind that we do have now YouTube uh, scenes, commentary, and question and answers for the episodes on YouTube. And some of you have already seen them and written. And this inspires me to get new content for you delivered weekly. Keep in mind that the Susan Taylor podcast does come out every week, and it's available on susantaylor.org, iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, as well as other podcast platforms. And as always, visit susantaylor.org for more information or visit our YouTube channel. And again, please support me and the community by sharing this podcast. And if you'd like to hear more about this topic or have some questions, pass them on now because we'll actually deliver them to you within probably a week or two on our YouTube station. And as always, remember, until next time, remain calm, consciously aware, living in the moment.